Welcome to Baribo Station, Stand S. Welcome back to another episode of Weird Think About That, where me and my fellow players are given a subject matter and have to find the weirdest, funniest, coolest or most interesting story about that subject. Our stories will be scored by a head judge and the winner will be revealed at the end of the episode. I'm Chris and joining me today, having just acquired a brand new wifelet, it's Chow. Hello. And having just acquired a brand new wallaby, Chucky. Yo. And of course, our head marquee himself, Joe. I am the marquee to- <laughs> Joe, if we could please have today's subject and how it will be scored, please. Today's subject is Egypt, or to those of you who aren't northern, Egypt, and you will be marked on the source scale. <laughs> Secondary and university certificate of education. <laughs> and who's going first? Who have we not had in a while? Let's do you, Chris. Doesn't seem too outlandish to say that the first things that spring to people's minds when you mention Egypt are the pyramids, which of course are the resting place of the more important, or maybe just more narcissistic pharaohs, and of course, mummies. Two iconic things that are both centred around death. The ancient Egyptians had a very unique and interesting view on death and the afterlife, but here's a couple of things that probably didn't anticipate would happen to their mummified bodies once they had passed from our mortal realm. One is being used as train fuel, and the other... Uh, more uniquely is having people start a petition online to let them drink your remains. Let's start with the first one. While the souls of ancient Egyptians may have made their way through the underworlds to the Hall of Mart to be judged by Anubis and, depending on the result, either be allowed into paradise ruled by Osiris or be eaten by the goddess Amit, the lifeless body left back on Earth may have been having a less glorious time, as during a railway expansion in the 1800s, construction companies unearthed so many mummies that they reportedly used them as locomotive fuel. The ancient resins used on the bodies during burial rites meant they burned extremely well. Fucking hell. <laughs> and they were in abundance in the middle of the desert as opposed to firewood and coal. <laughs> However, I should state that some sources claim this is just an urban legend, but I'd like to think it's true. <laughs> the second example I gave, however, is without contention. In July 2018, archaeologists revealed they had found something creepily interesting in the city of Alexandria. A massive 30-ton pure black granite sarcophagus that became known as the Dark Sarcophagus. <laughs> it was the largest tomb ever found in the city, and speculation ran wild as to what would be inside. Some people claiming it was cursed like Pandora's box and that opening it would spell the end of the world, and others saying that a massive 8 foot by 5 foot tomb contained a super mummy. <laughs> Archaeologists cracked open the tomb to find that inside were the remains of three bodies, one of which had survived a crude brain surgery, sat amongst an ominous red-looking liquid. It wasn't long before the internet in all its majesty started suggesting that we should drink the cursed red goo to gain its power. At latest glance, the change.org petition, let people drink the red liquid from the dark sarcophagus, had over 36,000 signatures. Some of the reasons given for signing the petition are as follows. We demand access to imbibe the cursed elixir. <laughs> I'm training for a marathon, and this could just give me the edge I need to die instead of running it. <laughs> and one simply says, I just want to try the juice. <laughs> <laughs> 
Unfortunately, such efforts have been in vain, and we may never know what happens if someone drinks the forbidden red liquid. Gentlemen, your rebuttals. Oh, mate. The setting mummies on fire is fuel. I just imagine, like, some people at the train, like, oh, we need to go all the way back to get coal, but the mummies are right there. <laughs> but we need they those. burn really well. We need those for historical preservation. Oh, maybe we just bang a few in. <laughs> we, we've got to take at least 20 back, all they, right. They put one in, and it goes, boom, and they go, fucking hell. <laughs> there is... There's a there's a um, oil shade. There's an oil shade, mummy brown, which was made from from grinding up mummy, you know, mummies, mixing it with some oils and going. There you go. There's a um, yep. there's there's a collet for your for your palate. For so you, it was for you, for it you. was made it was made as a. They were I mean eighteen you know eight nineteenth century people. They were just they were before they were mummy crazy. Yeah, they and there was it. mummies yeah. everywhere back then. Yeah, yeah. So you've got to utilize them. Draft excluders, well, loft extensions. You know, yeah. apparently they might not have felt so bad about doing it because a lot of the mummies they unearthed weren't people but cats. Like oh, those almost, fit well in a I furnace. Swear to God, mate, I just rewatched that Futurama episode with Seymour. Don't fucking tie with my heart. <laughs> <laughs> Well, obviously, cats were very sacred back then, didn't they? So they got all the burial rights that humans did, and um, they, they, they were literally raised just for being mummified. Like nobody had them as pets; you just were seen as animals of like interest, and will do you favorably in the afterlife, which is kind of fucking harsh for cats, isn't it? I mean, but, that's why they've got a grudge now. Probably, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's kind of. I difficult. also want to circle back to the fact that when you die and you go to Egyptian. Like purgatory, sort of thing. Yeah. You either get into heaven or you get munched up. Yeah, so... Um, <laughs> do you die again and then you get another shot at it? Oh, well. So they take you to a pair of scales and they put your heart on the scales yes. and the, on the other end is the feather of... I think it's the feather of Anubis. And if your heart is lighter than the feather of, or free of sin or lived a good life or righteousness, then you're allowed passage through to the afterlife. Otherwise, this uh, Amit thing, I think it's sort of like a half-crocodile... Yeah, uh, that makes sense. Yeah, thing, uh, beast thing comes out and just like eats your soul, and that's you're done. Are you d- right. harsh? Mm. That's mm. called an amit or the goddess amit. Mm. Is the crocodile thing? Could you try and bluff? Roll a twenty, <laughs> twenty to bluff Anubis. <laughs> just put your thumb on the scale. Yeah. Oh, oh, look, look, it's tons well, lighter. <laughs> what weighs well, more? I think um, what ton of feathers or a ton of steel. Ton of feathers because you got to live with the weight of what you did to all them birds. <laughs> <laughs> Ancient religions are so twee and crazy. It's not like we believe that you know. Now you Sky, know, perfectly Sky Daddy. Yeah. yeah. Now yeah. But, yeah. but God's got a lot cooler back then. I mean, they did. You look yeah, at like they were, they were more Horus spiteful. and yeah, yeah. these Horus and Anubis and stuff, and they just think oh, they're cool. No, I could be praised cool. like a half crocodile, half man that like has cool thing. You know, carpenter. Uh, I really like the idea of the super mummy. Like, imagine opening it and then going, "Oh, it's just three people like <laughs> jammed on top of each other trying to get oh, into no. a movie theater." I, I imagined it was like um, Voltron. Like the legs were mummies and the body was a mummy. Other, other, other onyx sarcophaguses around the world open up <laughs> and it forms into like. Oh, the red goo was maybe petrol. That, that's kind of you know, like you see something gross with your mate, you go. They look it. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. stuff. Fuck Christ. Oh, also, referencing the mummies in the trains thing. Do you reckon that in Back to the Future Three, where they've got those three timed coloured logs that they throw in, <laughs> each of those is full of like more senior mummy parts, <laughs> more embalmed. Yeah, <laughs> this one's just pure. Let's throw a pharaoh in. Yeah, pure Imhotep. They are just, just pure, pure fat. Imhotep in. is invisible. <laughs> Who's next? Ciao.
One of the most important artificial waterways in the world from a trading perspective is the Suez Canal, a 120-mile canal connecting the Mediterranean Sea with the Red Sea. This section of canal means bulk cargo ships can sail between Europe and Asia without having to go around Africa, saving time and money on trading goods between the two continents. If you look carefully around your home or office space, you may well come across the occasional item made in China or other Asian countries. Projects with the aim of connecting the Red Sea and the Mediterranean Sea have been around for thousands of years. Archaeological evidence suggests that the ancient Egyptians made attempts to connect the Red Sea, which went much further north back then, with portions of the Nile River, fulfilling a similar service to the Suez Canal. After conquering Egypt in 1798, the French military commander Napoleon Bonaparte sent a team of surveyors to investigate the feasibility of building a canal from the Red Sea to the Mediterranean. Scouts incorrectly concluded that the Red Sea was around 30 feet higher than the Mediterranean and warned that any attempt to create a canal could result in flooding across the Nile Delta. The surveyors' faulty calculations were enough to scupper plans for a canal and it would be another half a century before it was confirmed that there was no significance in height between the Red Sea and the Mediterranean and so, unlike the Panama Canal, it could be connected without the need for locks. The project began in 1859 and the canal opened in 1869 when the two construction teams met in the middle. On the 15th of November 1869 an opening ceremony in the canal was held with banquets and blessings with both Christian and Islamic mosques, uh, ceremonies took place with temporary churches and mosques being constructed for the event. The canal hasn't always been a facilitator of harmony between people of different nationalities and religions though. The Suez Canal crises of 1956, when control of the canal was taken from French and British shareholders by the Egyptian state, sparked an international crisis, which ultimately proved to be very embarrassing for the UK on the world stage, and spelled the end of the then Prime Minister Anthony Eden's political career, after some very substantiated rumours involving collusion with Israel and France. In 2015, the canal was expanded, almost doubling its capacity, and earlier this year, the canal made international headlines and almost single-handedly brought the entire global economy crashing to its knees. I'm being slightly hyperbolic, but to be fair, 12% of the world's trade passes through the canal. When a 200,000 ton shipping trailer, the Ever Given, blocked the canal for six days. Gentlemen, your bottles. The best thing to come out of that was just all the memes though, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Some good memes. I was so confused because all the pictures showed Evergreen. And then you see people saying, oh, Evergiven. I'm like, what? It's Evergreen. Yeah. That's what one company wants to share. Yeah, I think the Evergiven was the ship. And yeah. Evergreen was the company yeah. that owned it. Yeah. But it's crazy, you know, where we rely so much just on that one canal that some dude can... Just try and do a, a UE. Just do a UE on <laughs> and fuck 12% of the world's trade-offs. For so many it. days. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was the thing. And it I think was like... It, I think it was $9.6 billion in lost, lost revenue. I mean, that's just... I mean, all, all the ships are just parked there, but you've got to think about how many people are on those ships, how much extra well, How much burn, of that is fresh How fruit. much is delayed yeah. fresh produce. Yeah, fresh produce. Yeah, perishable sort yeah. of Well, stuff. I think if it's shipping... I mean, you've got to remember, like, two, each ship... I mean, the ship that blocks it was 200 thousand tons i can't and even do got, that yeah but it's and then you saw images of like on free football fields yeah, yeah i was gonna say how, <laughs> how, how many is that in elephants that's eight With and a half trillion sausages like well <laughs> you just see like two or three tuggy boys like little boats trying to pull the like this big ship on site yeah you ain't doing fuck yeah, also you do like eighteen thousand of those bastards like oh yeah there's another one get now. jeff capes there with a rope around it yeah. <laughs> there is one picture of like a hilux and two guys in a high base and you're just like you ain't doing shit are you boy no, no. 
How he- you're going to get angry, and then you won't like you when you're angry. How heavy did you say the ship was? 200,000 tons. That's a lot of zeros. Yeah. Yeah. So that's 33,333 average elephants. There you go. There you go. That's too many for me to imagine. Can you put it in whales, please? How many <laughs> rampages could you go on? Uh, specifically sperm whales. About 10,000. Yeah. 10, the, the only whale. The sexiest whale. <laughs> <laughs> See what I would have liked if that boat was if if Mad Mad Jack was still alive, he'd have tried to ramp the other ships over. <laughs> yeah. You know full well he would have been the cause of the blockage. Right? Just, because he, just because he got his dick out in the Suez Canal. I did Going on the research of that. Port. I did have a look at the. Um, he got the wrong idea. <laughs> there's a shipping um, a, a Suez Canal passage calculator, so you can put in your net tonnage, your gross tonnage, which. I still to this day do not have a fucking clue what the difference. I think gross tonnage is how much cargo you carry in a net is. You have to include the ship and your own container weight and displacements. Yeah, but you put you put basically you put a load of figures into it and it tells you what your passage through the canal will cost you. So a guy just so I was like, ain't nobody got time for that. I don't know how much how well I don't know what kind of if I was what was an average shipping container weigh. So googled it and caught well put it in YouTube and there was a guy who was like, I know more about this than you do. So he put the figures in. And even for a small shipping container, the passage was about a quarter of a million dollars. Wow. Yeah, similar for Panama as well. Panama, just to go all the way through, it costs millions, yeah. apparently. But so. if, if, I mean, if you work out the savings in fuel and wages in order to ship something yeah. around, that's why it works. That's what the Suez, that's what the basis of the Suez Canal crisis was. Britain and France were basically paying the Egyptian government, and it was the Cold War. The League of Nations. The League of Nations. Um, they... Basically, Egypt were like, whoa, the Cold War, we're going to kind of stay neutral. We want to be friends with Russia and America. And they were like, well, we're paying you all this money, so we're going to withdraw it. And then um, Egypt were like, well, if you're going to withdraw our funding, we're going to make the the money we've lost from uh, you not paying us, we're going to just take ownership back of the Suez Canal because it was privately owned. And then Britain basically turned around and went, oh... Well, that's not right. What we'll do is we'll manufacture a conflict and try and make Egypt look bad. So Israeli forces were like stormed in and they were going to take this take part of the Suez Canal and part of the peace negotiation was going to be that any forces within 10 miles had to withdraw. But they made the declaration and the troops were still 40 miles away. <laughs> so they were like, um, you're full of shit. This has just all been manufactured. And they were like, yeah, we've got, we got our pants pulled down royally. Yeah. And the other one as well was, is, is it really soured diplomatic relations between Britain and the US? Because the US were like, you didn't fucking tell us you were going to do this shit. Yeah, um, bunch of mud. Yeah, so you look like dick. So it really was, We it was, at the, you know, 1956, it was, we're, you know, you got to remember only 11 years after the first, uh, Second World Second War, War. We got our pants pulled down and it really was us as a imperialist uh, influence. It was just like, it's gone. I've Luckily, we we learned from going out alone is never a good idea. From that, yeah. and uh, we've you know we've been fully supportive of uh, unions and everything else. Enjoy your privets for Christmas dinner, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, Chucky. All right, the eagle of the skies. <laughs> the eagle of the skies. <laughs> Egypt is one of the most talked about countries when it comes to ancient civilizations, and why not? I mean, if you build over a hundred gigantic structures with nothing more than manpower, that's kind of something to talk about for a few thousand years. The oldest and largest pyramid, the Great Pyramid of Giza, stands at 146.5 metres tall, which is 481 feet, or 73 of me. I think that's something worthwhile talking about today, definitely since the guys who made it were kind enough not to document how they pulled off something so monumental without any power tools. 
Though it's likely the workforce that built the pyramids were enjoying working through a perpetual hangover, as it appears they were given a ration equivalent of 10 pints of beer a day. But another great export from the ancient Egyptian playbook is that of mummification, the incredibly well-known process of preserving a dead body by wrapping it in linen soaked with various oils. Mummification was seen as a vital part of the journey from the life to the afterlife, and although it was restricted to the super-rich initially, it did become more affordable as time went on. Morticians were documented as offering three levels of mummification, a sort of gold, silver and bronze level of mummification if you will. If you were a penniless chump, you'd barely be given any treatment at all, with your intestines being emptied with a rather unceremonious posthumous enema, and you're being left in a salty warehouse for 70 days to dehydrate. After you've become almost raisin-like, you'd be taken away by your family, who'd have to find a place to bury you. <laughs> if you were a little less penniless, you would have your butt plugged, and a bunch of tree-sap-based acid injected into your abdomen to liquefy your organs. 70 days later, your family would be able to come back and take you away, typically opting for a terracotta coffin, since it was cheap. But, if you were flush with cash though, you got the gold standard treatment. Your brain would be removed for starters, as well as your organs being manually removed to either be preserved separately, or to be individually treated and placed back in your body. Before anything was placed back though, it was treated with all kinds of aromatic spices, which helped you stay fresh whilst preserving you. Kind of like having a valet for your insides. <laughs> You'd then go through the 70-day process of reaching peak mummy before being placed in a sarcophagus to lean against a wall. The weird thing though, and slightly bullshitty, is that the heart was not meant to be removed in this process. And there is some belief that, in fact, the heart was a critical part of being accepted into the afterlife. Like being on the VIP guest list at a club. It turns out that some morticians were removing the hearts of less than super wealthy people to prevent the super rich from having to share the afterlife with common folk. So the weirdest thing about ancient Egypt is, they truly did believe that you could take it with you, and that actually, to stop other people crowding their swanky afterlife, they got the mummificators to start stealing hearts. Fucking bastards. <laughs> Gentlemen, your rebuttals. Wow. Imagine you made it all the way through the halls of Mark got there and you're like okay let's have your heart and you're like, like fuck I, I that thought, fucking bastard I thought you were going to have it I, I don't have it on me <laughs> just pull it out as a note saying I owe you one heart <laughs> yeah man it's like hearing that it's just like serious you know you go through life and you probably did that thing where it's like well you know I'm, I'm 27 now I don't have a lot of years left I'm going to have to start saving up and then you think oh well I've done the right thing I'm going to die but at least I've gone for silver you know so should be fine. And then, yeah, fucking bastards stealing your heart. I don't know. I'd quite like to be just left in a salty warehouse for 70 days. <laughs> that sounds like my kind of hangar. Come well, and get your raisin. He's ready. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, they, just, they just bring you home and they like let the cows lick you. Nice <laughs> 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 <So>, salt lick. <laughs> yeah. 70 days is just long enough to you sort of like you got over the grieving process and you've kind of forgotten about it. That's it. And then you have to fucking come back and yeah. take them. No, and then you come oh, back and they present you with this hockey puck of a yeah. human. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, if it was still going on today, you'd be like, you completely forget and you'd get a phone call, wouldn't you? It'd be an unknown number. Hello. Hi, your dad's corpse is ready. Oh, brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> Who's dad again? No, <laughs> there would be a live webcam on it and you can watch them desiccate in real time. <laughs> <laughs> live little, a graph of hydration. How, how, how much how much liquid is left yeah. in his body? Somebody do a time yeah time elapsed camera. Oh. oh man, I think the worst part is like if you got butt plugged and they like plug you up. The way they did the drain it is, as you guess, 
taking the butt plug out. Yeah. Like, Reckon oh. they reused that? Whoa. The butt plug? No, the, uh, the, the acid <laughs> they put in Probably not. Well, maybe. Oh, I, mean, I don't know. They want to neutralise. Like a version of that. I, I, I genuinely don't know. It was a uh, cedar um, a sap, I believe. I also like the fact, like, people forget that, you know, all ancient Egyptians, like, um, the, you know, fucking idiots, you know. But you got they built pyramids. Nobody, oh, yeah. nobody knows how. They, we do know how. It's easy to well, dismiss. It's, it's, like, it's, quite, it's quite simple. Uh, it's, it's fulcrums. Well, lots and lots of slaves. Well, big, it's the, big oh, whips. Well, well yeah, so it, that, that's been like contended as well. Mm, so they're, they're not that. saying that it's slaves. It's like people who oh, wanted yeah, the, to do it. The Jewish, the, the whole oh, um, tribes my, of Israel. Let my people go. That's all. There's no. There's no. Empiric- no, no empirical it? evidence. No empirical evidence of that, but there were a fuck ton of peasants who were seasonal workers who lived by the Nile. Well, I mean, right, if somebody paying. said, this "I'll the... give you ten pints of beer to move this yeah, rock," which also doesn't beer, seem the smartest beer thing if you're doing was just water that wouldn't fucking kill you. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, so one of the things that people don't fully understand how they could have done they it at such a scale. Ten pints of fucking Stella a day, <laughs> <laughs> probably Foster's. The, no, the, like, the new ABV. Yeah, is yeah because very because because Foster's is native to Egypt. It's close to down under. No, but the. I'm, I'm fucking joking let me get the yeah. point out the main thing is nobody understands how they're able to mason all these stones in the way that they did in like the time scale because all all they could have possibly had is like some sort of saw to actually square them all off yeah. no. and they're all like the same size no there's uh, I've seen again this is YouTube so it could be wrong but I have seen videos where you you put holes and you you knock um, yeah. spikes in, yeah. bang, 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 and, and it, it naturally splits. finds faults in the because mm. it's but just sandstone. It still needs yeah, to it's be made in sheets. And the it, other so. yeah, and the other thing as well is, is like if you look at the calculations, it's always like, well, if somebody was doing this twenty four hours a day, it would have taken three thousand years. And it's like there was more than one person. If you Aliens. had three thousand people doing it, yeah, it, it one would take year. one year can exactly. I, can I also scale. reference uh, the fact that apparently the tops of the uh, the pyramids apparently were covered in zinc, and the rivers, the River Nile, used to run through there. But due to like poor farming and stuff, it, it, it re-thinged. And there's a theory that this was some sort of free electricity system. Yeah, there's so many like theories <laughs> oh, about ancient Egypt, oh, isn't there? Uh, Some say that aliens built the pyramids well, and all sorts of stuff. Well, they, they did have like yeah. a, a rudimentary battery as well, didn't they? Because they yeah. had like yes. the two anode and cathode and acid. Well, like we were saying, like there was, there's, there's, there is archaeological evidence that a precursor to the Suez Canal was planned, and they're like, we should connect the Red Sea and the Mediterranean Sea, like almost four thousand years ago. And you've to to take on a a engineering task, engineering that, task that big or to even have the foresight to go we should connect that fucking ocean and that ocean over there that's a pretty advanced civilization so I, it's easy to dismiss ancient civilizations as thick because they didn't have internet they, or whatever but they're still oh, geniuses they didn't it's have like, Jeremy Kyle yeah, yeah. But, but by the same thing though they knew medical care they yeah. could mm-hmm. remove a brain they knew that certain bits of the body were like I mean, anti-vaxxers were a thing I think it's kind of it's kind of basic but also mm. the only way you can investigate what's killed someone is wait until they die and then cut into them and go I don't know Kev what do you reckon like because that's all it was that's all medicine has ever been or cutting into the live people and going how's that hurt <laughs> <laughs> well like a reference in my story that one of the the inhabitants of the dark sarcophagus had survived a rudimentary brain surgery yeah. 
Yeah, but so. he never made, never made Voltron. No, did yeah. <laughs> what was that thing called? You said drill holes in the front of your head. Trapanning. Trapanning, yeah. yeah. That was still works. The, the thing about putting like, uh, let's put like cloves in the liver and put that back. It feels very Ainsley Harrier. <laughs> <laughs> Spicy. We're yeah. going to marinate it for 70 days. Yeah. And then, well, uh, the fact that they, they, they had um, care for the dead and sort of mm. venerated it as this thing. I also like the fact that in your, uh, in your thing you had, they went peak mummy <laughs> and also, and then just left them leaning against the wall, which uh, made me laugh. <laughs> so, the truth well is often yeah. funny. <laughs> You can follow us on Twitter at WeirdThingPod. Come and say hello. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next episode. Weird thing about that. Lead in the paint, lead in the sheets.